The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for news, advice, tips, and techniques to get you started on your own real estate investing business or to help you grow it. Our topic today is one that a lot of real estate investors, at least who are in the acquisition phases of their career, are very interested in, but very few understand, particularly not to the depth that my guest today does. Ed Haynes did his very first real estate deal uh, back in the day. I will I will let him tell you how long ago that was. Uh, bought it for eighty two five, sold it for one sixty, and his life has never been the same. He has bought and sold millions of dollars worth of real property, owns a property management company, a construction company, and is part owner of a 42-year-old title insurance company. He's joining us today by phone from his home in central, sorry, South Jersey. Uh, Welcome, Ed. Thanks for having me, Vina. Uh, And I very much appreciate you agreeing to be on the program with such short notice today. I woke up this morning and said, it's Wednesday, and I don't have a guest scheduled. <laughs> I, literally t- <laughs> I literally texted Ed. I was like, well, okay, Ed's coming to the to the OREA National New Strategy Summit. I haven't interviewed him, so maybe he would be a good person to have because probate is just, it's it's one of those things that everybody knows about and nobody knows about. You know, people, yeah. people understand it like yes. a surface level. Understood. Yes, you're right. Most people say, oh, somebody passes away and then, you know, property typically goes into probate, right? And mm-hmm. that's kind of that's kind of the beginning of the end um, uh, for, for a lot of folks. Um, but yeah, we've, we've delved into it a, a bit deeper um, in the last 14 years. And um, yeah, we're here to uh, here to share any insight that uh, uh, that we can with uh, with uh, with all your listeners. Mm-hmm. And we w- want to give listeners the opportunity to ask questions as well, uh, which they can do by calling five one three seven seven two nine six five eight here in the Greater Cincinnati area, or if you're listening to us via our streaming audio at wmkvfm.org. You can call 877-772-9658, toll-free from any place in the country. You can also email any questions that uh, you don't feel comfortable picking up the phone and calling about to askvina at gmail.com. That's A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A, at gmail.com. Uh, so, Ed, tell us, tell us about yourself. Tell us, uh, you know, what what was it? We we heard about your your first deal, but what was it that got you interested in real estate to start with? 
Well, to start with, Vina, it was the money, right? Um, a lot of folks have heard about uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad program. Um, and I have a I have a rich uncle uh, and many, many poor uncles um, <laughs> here in New Jersey. So my rich uncle owned several businesses, uh, one of which um, uh, was a vast portfolio of rental properties. And kind of growing up, I worked around his auto body shop, sweeping up the floors and stuff like that, and realized that he was there, and that was kind of his... Uh, his day job and he owned the business but it was the real estate which is where all his true wealth was um and so that uh, that got me interested and like many entrepreneurs we want to you know put in the least amount of effort for the for the highest gain um and i was never scared to work i was willing to put in the time effort and the energy i just wanted the largest gain i could possibly get um so that's what uh, initially attracted me to uh, to real estate um, when it came to probate, I stumbled upon them, Dina. I have to tell you, it was uh, uh, I, I was uh, <laughs> I was chugging along in the early 2000s. Uh, life was good. Uh, I've been buying and selling since uh, 2000. I was in the mortgage business in the late 90s, and was doing a lot of mortgages for guys that were buying and selling. And I'm seeing their profits of 30 and 50 and 100 thousand dollars per transaction. And um, you know, I'm going, wow, maybe 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 those folks have it right. So it was at that time I took a closer look at what they were doing. Now, I have to set the stage. I know you said I'm, I'm from New Jersey, which I am. I'm from southern New Jersey. So there are a lot of folks um, that have seen uh, Jersey Shore or The Real Housewives <laughs> of New Jersey, those shows there in central and northern New Jersey. Um, for those viewers uh, or your listeners that uh, drink ocean spray, uh, cranberry juice, um, that's the town I, I was born and raised in. It's a little town called Chatsworth, New Jersey. Still isn't a, a street light uh, in the whole town. And uh, if you've ever seen the uh, if you've ever seen the commercial on television with the two individuals standing in the cranberry bog talking about no sugar added, mm-hmm. that's the town I grew up in. So we have more um, pine trees and cranberries and blueberries than we do, uh, you know, residential real estate and certainly hardly any commercial or multifamily. So uh, that's where I got my start and where I still uh, where I still live here um, today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now you said you you said you stumbled into probate, and and a lot of people do, right? They they they're marketing for deals, and someone calls and says I inherited a property, and maybe that works out for them. And they say, wow, how do I get some more of those? W- what was it about probate that particularly attracted you? What why, why that strategy? Sure. Well, uh, we're chugging along, and and as you know, when things are good, uh, we don't tend to look at the uh, we don't tend to look at the details uh, too closely when things are going very well. Uh, it was the end of 2005. I just come off my best year ever, five years in the business. I'm just saying, wow, you know, aren't I so smart? And um, it was a very profitable year, uh, and I got very very sick, and and the doctors um, incorrectly diagnosed me. Uh, with bone cancer, uh, and told me I may not make it to my 30th birthday, and not not a very good prognosis. So that that wasn't good. Uh, my wife was pregnant at the time. So uh, when this happened, I was uh, in bed, couldn't walk, and I'm reviewing all my deals. And I'm, I hired a full time assistant, kind of take over at the office, and I'm I'm reviewing all my most profitable deals. I'm going, okay, if I can't be there and I need to duplicate myself, I got to put together a system for these folks to file or to follow inside the office. And as I went through the stuff I bought at share sale and the stuff I bought at tax sale, um, the, the for sale by owners that I purchased, um, the stuff out of the newspaper and in the 55-plus communities, and even back then you could get deals off the MLS, 
um, I, I was looking at everything, and, and a common thread was the most profitable deals that I was into and out of the quickest, the one you just talked about, Vina, um, closing to closing was 93 days from the day I purchased it to the day I sold it. We were in that property for 93 days. So as I'm looking at those, the common thread was that they were all probate properties. So then I said to myself, why don't we, why don't we take a step back and zero in our marketing efforts just on these probate properties? And when we did that, we saw our deal flow go through the roof. We saw our profit margins go up as well as our aggravation level go down. Uh, as you know, when you buy, when you buy a sheriff's sale, um, you then have to go evict uh, either the tenant or the former owner of that property. That's not a, that's not a fun process, right? Um, not one of the things anybody likes to talk about in the business, but one of the necessary evils. Well, when it comes to probate properties, the sellers were grateful and they were thankful and they would say thank you and bring me gifts at closing. Well, no, no one we ever evicted out of a out of a property we bought at foreclosure ever brought us a, a bottle of wine to closing. So mm-hmm. it was at that time in the end of '05 into 2006 that we solely began to focus on uh, our probate uh, properties because of ease of ease of um, acquisition, uh, profit margins. Uh, in many cases, double the traditional profit margin in my area. Uh, and, and number three, you know, there's over 9 million of these units in the U.S. today that are not for sale, they're not for rent, they're not on the MLS, there's not a sign out in front of them, and no one is, is living in them. So right now, the U.S. Census Bureau estimates there are over 9 million vacant probate properties. So there's plenty to go around. <laughs> plenty to go around, yes. Very good. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, We're going to delve a little bit deeper into what you as a listener and real estate entrepreneur might not know about the probate process and different ways in which it can work that you're going to need to know if you're going to get into this uh, 9 million property pool out there in the world. Uh, 877-772-9658 is the question or the, the number to call with any questions. You can also send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Ed Haynes from Probate Academy. He's one of the 15 featured speakers at the Ohio RIA National Real Estate Strategy Summit coming up here in Cincinnati on October, October, November. Don't scare myself like that. It's bad enough that it's coming up as soon as November, <laughs> 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. Uh, we still have a couple of the seats left that uh, Oria donated to WMKV for the fun drive last week. And uh, if you miss that and you would like to grab some of those seats at a discounted price, you can go to wmkvfm.org. You'll see it uh, right there on the front page, and you can pledge to WMKV and pick up a couple of seats at uh, about 40 bucks off per couple. Now, if you go in there and you don't see it, it's because they have all been taken. So uh, I'm just warning you, there's only a certain number available, and when they're gone, they're gone. And don't call and whine and say, some of those discounted seats, because that's it. We have what we have, wmkvfm.org. 
So we're talking today about probate properties and, and, the, and the kind of the probate process, because most people find out or figure out very early on in their real estate acquisitions career that people who inherit properties don't necessarily want them and that it might be a good idea to write letters to those people. And then a funny thing happens, which is that the folks do respond and then sometimes there are situations happening within the probate that the new investor can't deal with because they don't even understand what probate really is so ed let's 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 just start out you know kind of with the basics when we say probate what are we talking about well that's something that a lot of folks actually like kind of confuse themselves uh if if if, uh, if i if I can. At the end of the day, all that, that the word probate means, it's a judicial determination of the validity of the will. Now, what the heck does that mean? All that means is we're proving a will to be fact. That's it. Proving a will to be fact. So really, that word probate, and we, and we talk about it as, you know, probate real estate, it really doesn't have anything to do with the real estate itself. It's actually just verbiage that they use to prove a will to either be fact or not fact. And that goes into like testate and intestate, right? People hear that, well, they, they passed away intestate. Well, what the heck does that mean? Is that the next city over from Cincinnati? Where's intestate at? Well, all intestate means is there was no legal, legal will, no legal will, meaning there could have been a, a will. However, maybe it was proved not to be fact. Maybe, maybe there was an issue with it. Maybe uh, wasn't signed properly, or maybe there's some suspicion around it. So anybody who passes away intestate means they have no legal will. Now, if they pass away what's called testate, they have a will. Now, even the heirs and even some of the folks very familiar with these cases, you know, don't even use that terminology. They just say they had a will, <laughs> they didn't have a will. Here's here's what that means to you. They passed away intestate with no will. Then someone must go before uh, the probate court and be appointed um, uh, by the judge to handle that estate. That's all that means. That individual um, has all of the powers and the rights to convey real property as an heir would have or an executor or executrix um, would have if there were a will or a will that was found um, to be factual. So a little bit of boring terminology, um, but that's all it means. It's just a, a, a technical technical term, being a, that's it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when somebody says, I buy probate properties, they may or may not be saying the same thing as I buy inherited properties, I buy, uh, you, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of different, um, there's a lot of lists floating around out there that one can buy. And yeah. uh, I, I've noticed that uh, sometimes the lists are called inherited properties, and they may be properties that somebody inherited years ago, and just haven't sold or they may be properties that are currently going through the probate process is there a difference in complication or in speed or in the way you have to deal with things if the property is still in probate versus if the the will has it's all been determined and we know who the heirs are and now the property's been passed on to the heirs and the probate case itself has been closed 
Yeah, so uh, if you've got one where they've got their I's dotted and T's crossed and they're ready to go, those those opportunities typically can move very fast, um, sometimes weeks, uh, if not a month or two, okay? Other more complex cases can take anywhere from nine months to 12 months. Uh, I've had some that have taken over two years uh, because someone um, – uh, someone, one of the heirs didn't think they were kind of getting their fair shake, uh, so they went to the courthouse, uh, they went to the surrogate's court, uh, and they filed a complaint. And what that can do is slow everything down. So, uh, you know, we get the question a lot, what's the best lead? A lead that's, you know, a probate lead that's, uh, you know, two months or three months old, uh, or a probate lead that's 12 months old? Well, I would say, uh, you know, both, depending on the situation, right? If you've got a if you've got a probate lead that's let's say a year old, something is going on. Now, I teach individuals to only only pursue probate leads uh, where there's no um, no surviving spouse uh, in the home um, and no children in the home. So a lot of people go, well, what the heck does that mean? Well, when you're reviewing these files, and this is where I know all the list companies. Um, and at the end of the day, most of them don't scrub their list, and, that, and that's why I'm pretty critical of them, because what they're doing is they're putting information uh, in the hands of folks that, you know, just went to a seminar, they get it, they're excited, they heard, you know, you just made, you know, 30000 bucks wholesale on a property, um, you know, I just wholesaled a property and, you know, made more than they made in the last six months, and, and now they're going to get this list and they're going to mail it to them, um, but they don't know what to say or how to say it or where the lead even came from. Are they mailing to a surviving spouse? Uh, are they mailing to a, you know, a minor child that's in the home and just because their information was within the surrogate's record, whoever went and pulled that list down just added their information, not knowing it was a 14-year-old child. Um, so you got to be very, very careful with the lists. I'm, I'm critical of these because I've, I've experienced it firsthand um, and, uh, you know, it, it, it makes us look like amateurs, meaning uh, the real estate investment community as a whole. When folks are armed with this information, they don't know what to do uh, with that information. So the first thing is I say generate your own list. And how you do that is simply by going to the courthouse yourself and not paying somebody else to do it. From there, make sure there are no surviving spouses. It's easy to see. It says it right there on the, on the death cert uh, or on the short certificate exactly, you know, what their age is and, and what's going on. For instance, my grandmother uh, recently passed away. Um, she has six children all throughout the U.S. None of them wanted her little two-bed, one-bath house here in uh, in southern New Jersey, right? So at the end of the day, what do they do? Well, my one uncle from Iowa uh, was appointed the executor, and uh, was, he was charged with the task of liquidating that asset and splitting up the money six ways. So that's a perfect example of a what I consider a good probate leak. Um, the flip side of that is, you know, I, I lost my best friend many years ago at age 27, and his wife, uh, who was 26 at the time, was receiving letters. Um, that's not cool. Uh, that's not what we want to do. Um, so at the end of the day, the first thing we need to do is qualify that lead, okay? Make sure there's no surviving spouse. And there are no children in the home. And I tell you, there are millions and millions and millions of these deals out there. I, I sometimes get pushback from folks and go, yeah, but aren't you leaving a lot of deals on the table? And what I ask them is, how many deals did you do last year? 
There's nine million of them, guys. Chances are if we can get somebody doing four or five wholesale deals a year, that could radically change their financial situation. Mm-hmm. All right. So there are plenty of low hanging fruit out there. They're the ones uh, they're the ones that we're gonna uh, think we're gonna focus on is the surviving spouse. Um, the other thing that's great is when you see the address of the executor is not the same uh, as the individual who passed, right? Mm-hmm. So many times they will have lived with family. So when you scrub that list, part two of scrubbing your list is to make sure that the exe- that the uh, um, deceased didn't live with the executor. It might be the executor's house. That's another thing that they don't scrub for when you buy these lists. So Joe Blow may be the uh, may be the executor for his mother, but perhaps his mother lived in his home. And a quick search of the tax records will typically let you know if that's his home or if it was the mother's home. Same thing. I'd rather walk away from a deal than ever offend anyone. We kind of have to. The, the biggest difference um, with with probates and and you know, short sales or or bank owns or. Um, buying stuff at sheriff's uh, sheriff sale or tax lien sale is the communication. You have to be able to effectively communicate with these individuals where they are, okay? And that's not always where we're at, right? So mm-hmm. we have to we have to step back and got to kind of put on those silk gloves, and that's how you have to handle these leads. Mm-hmm. So we do more work up front. So that two-month-old lead versus the 12-month-old lead, it depends on the process. So what I do, Vina, when we get involved, is I, I truly, you know, become a servant and say, tell us where you are. This is, you know, we get all inbound leads, number one. You, you touched on that. You send out the letter. They call. We don't ever call anyone, Vina. They call our office. When they call the office. They give all the information. And then my spouse or somebody else calls them back um, and, and goes on to the you know, second stage of, of the qualification. But when they call in, they tell us what's going on, and it's more about the process. So we asked them if they've had an inheritance tax waiver before. And here's what's great in Ohio. You guys don't have, you don't need one. I'm sure you're aware, January 1st of 2013, um, the Ohio estate tax was repealed. So if you've got an estate worth less, I think it's like just under uh, $338,000 or so, uh, $338 and change sticks out in my mind, or less, there is no estate tax due in Ohio. Now, the half a million and over, um, excuse me, between a half a million and 338000 they owe about 6%. If it's over a half a million, the flat 7% estate tax. But if there's that property is worth less than 338000 you don't even need the waiver form anymore. So when folks call into our office, we become of service. In New Jersey, it's called an L9 form, and we say, have you filed for your L9 form yet? We typically can't buy that without that inheritance tax waiver form. And if we do buy it, the title company wants to hold a whole bunch of money in escrow. Uh, sometimes that's possible. Other times it's not until we get that form. You guys in Ohio, you don't have that problem anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I'm glad you I'm glad you, you, you just sort of jumped right into the, the great unsaid thing about probates, which is that if you just randomly send letters to the heirs and executors of anybody that you see that died, you are going to get the largest number of angry phone calls that you have ever gotten from any mailing you've ever done in your life because you have picked up the spouse. You've picked up the, you know, the, 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 yeah. the, the people that you mentioned that 
sometimes are very upset. Um, the 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 first first probate mailing I ever did years ago, and this was back in the nineties. I didn't answer my phone for two weeks because it seemed like every time I was answering it, a some widow was screaming at me about how dare I this was her house and she had no intention of moving and I wasn't going to steal her house out from under her just because her husband died and I felt terrible <laughs> about the whole thing yeah. and then I figured out what had what had happened and uh, figured out figured out what to not do the next time and so I'm glad you're out there teaching people that because uh, that will save you a lot of to coin a phrase grief we need to take a quick break talking to Ed Haynes today about probate and how to buy properties that are in probate. Uh, our number here in the studio, if you have questions, is 877-772-9658. You can also send your questions in via email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox, and I'm talking today to... Ed Haynes about probate investing. Beautiful thing about live radio is if you don't chew up your almonds fast enough during the break, you sound like you have a mouthful of almonds when you come back on. Mike, what is the what is the producer's job if not to make me look good? <laughs> I know I look like a chipmunk over here. I didn't get any lunch. Matt got me the loudest snacks you could possibly have. I mean, short of Pop Rocks, I don't know how he could have gotten me something that was going to be louder. But thank you. Thank you, honey, for the snack. And then all of a sudden the music starts playing and I realize I'm not done chewing. Um, See, this is very different than a webinar where we can like pre-record it and then cut all this stuff out. This is all going out live. Yes. On the yeah. airwaves. Well, that's okay. <laughs> it's just like real estate, uh, hey, you know, just like real estate, it's not always perfect, right? So That's right. And that's what that's what people enjoy about real life real estate. It's the, it's the humanity. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> All right. So um you you already sort of uh started started to touch on this uh part about who we contact because there's there's a bunch of players in the probate process there's the heirs who may or may not include the executor or, or they're called different things in different states and when we are heard all over the place so we should you know there're sometimes some places they're called executors and some places they're called personal representatives administrators in other words the guy whose job it is to make sure the will gets done the way it's supposed to you know everything gets distributed the way it's supposed to get distributed and then there's almost always also an attorney that's hired by the estate to guide it through the legal process which of these folks should we be getting into contact with if there's a particular property we might be interested in or we we just know that there's an estate that might have property um, sure. Um, not all estates um, have an attorney. I recommend that they get one. So, for instance, when someone calls into us, typically they go, "Well, I don't, I don't know what to do. Um, we inherited this property. It's in New Jersey. You know, we're in Texas, California. Uh, Vina, I bought a house from a gentleman in England. 
that he inherited from a half-sister he didn't know he had in New Jersey. Hmm. Uh, he was very, very happy to get um, to get our letter. Uh, and then when he called, he said, this must be some kind of scam. Uh, I don't have any family in New Jersey. And I said, oh, no, you do. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, I, actually to get, I, I actually had to get an attorney. Um, I had to get an attorney to reach out to him um, to let him know about this uh, this property. And we ended up uh, buying it about a month later. Uh, thank you to uh, FedEx. Uh, we FedExed the docs <laughs> over and they signed him in front of a notary, sent him back, and we bought the property. Um uh, so, yes, uh, the heirs, executor, executrix, personal representative, uh, administrator, uh, whatever uh, whatever they may be uh, called. Here's what I typically do. When the call comes in, uh, I'm going to ask them where they're at in the process. I'm going to say, tell me about the situation. Not necessarily the house, right? And there's another. here's another change in gears for um, the typical real estate investor who's got the script and we're talking to FISBOs and, and short sales and, and out-of-state owners and all this stuff. It's not so much about the property. Oftentimes, they don't know the beds and the baths, Dina. All they know is that there's a house there. Um, and, and in many cases, it's in disrepair. Um, so I say, tell me about the situation. And it's usually, well, there's, you know, eight of us, uh, you know, the taxes haven't been paid and, um, you know, this one's out of town and, and, you know, my aunt never liked my other cousin, so he really shouldn't even get anything. And you just, you just list them, right? And then what I do at the end is say, okay, you know, here's what I've done and we've done this, a, you know, a few hundred times. And uh, here, here, if I were you, here's the advice I would give you. Number one, this is what you get. You were appointed the executor because you're competent so it's your fault um that you <laughs> it's your fault that throughout your life you've shown how competent you are that's why you've been put in charge uh and at the end of the day there's a very small fee uh, that they can take as the executor of the estate some of them take it some of them don't uh oftentimes depends on the aggravation that the other heirs give them um so initially we go direct um uh, to the executor executrix or the heirs I have a network of attorneys that refer us opportunities as well. If there's, if we find out from speaking to the heir that there's an attorney involved, I immediately get that information and we reach out to them as well. In the, in the areas in which I do um, uh, real estate and I invest in real estate, most of them know us or know another attorney that has done business with us. Ask yourself this question. When does the attorney get paid? If he's, if he's settling in the state. When the biggest Often. asset sells. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. They're motivated. When do the heirs get their money? <laughs> when the, the biggest asset sells. <laughs> yep. That's it. And, and, and Vina, it is their money. It is their money. The second that they you know, get a copy of that will, it's their money, and they, they, oftentimes they already have it spent. So what we want to do is navigate that, that process. Um, I'm going to share a very, very special story um, at uh, the Ohio Rio in November uh, during our session where I was recently investigated by the state of New Jersey for underpayment of realty transfer fees. Now, at the end of the day, um, same thing, sent a letter out, lady contacted me. I was one of three individuals uh, that she spoke to. I'm usually one of one or one of two. In this case, there were three. I was the lowest of the three offers, um, but she called me back and said, listen, I like you. I'm not getting any money. I'll explain that one later. Uh, it was an insolvent estate, much like a short sale, but a little different. I'm not getting any money, and quite frankly, I don't like the other two people. Um, <laughs> can you come up with a thousand bucks? Was it sixty-five grand? She said, "Can you come up with sixty-six thousand? I'll sell you the house." I said, "Sure, no problem." 
I had her hire an estate attorney, thank God, um, got title insurance. We closed at the attorney's office. And then um, the state of New Jersey, a special investigator from the uh, Division of Taxation, uh, opened the file and said, no, this is impossible. It's a you know, $300,000 neighborhood. There's no way a 3,700-square-foot all-brick home can sell for 66000 bucks." So I'm going to actually walk everybody through that at the Ohio RIA event in November, the 6th of the 9th, because um, it's an awesome case, and it just pinpoints a lot of different, a lot of different things. But in the meantime, you want to go to those attorneys, you want to go to the heirs, the personal representatives, and the administrators, because you never know at what process they're in. But what I can tell you is the common goal that they all have is the majority of them get paid when the house sells. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, we're going to start in on some questions that have been coming in via askvina.com. This one is from Susan in Boulder, Colorado. She says, I have an interesting situation where I have an estate property with three heirs. Two of the three desperately want to sell to me. The third one is digging in her heels and saying that she won't sell the property for more, for less than twice what it's worth. Is there anything that can be done in a situation like this? <laughs> um, yes, Susan, I feel your pain. It happens sometimes. I just settled in a state where there were 10 heirs. Uh, one squatting in the property and uh, two that wouldn't sign. Um, so, yes, I feel your pain. Um, the short answer is you, you have a few different remedies. Uh, typically, what has to happen, uh, number one, is we would like to, we want to know if the third one, the one that's digging her heels in and has unrealistic expectations, is she um, the administrator or the executrix of the estate? If she is, that poses um, some challenges. However, the other two heirs may want to contest that estate. The challenge with that is many wills will say if someone contests an estate that they lose their inheritance. So the third person, this could be a tactic for that third person to simply try to get the other two heirs to sue her, inadvertently sue her, and then lose their uh, inheritance. Um, that could be challenging. Uh, what typically here's what happens: um, taxes are due, water, water, sewer maintenance. The lawn's got to be cut, um, and if there's money in the estate, the third individual will simply spend that money, okay, to to maintain the property. In many cases like this, there isn't any money in the estate, and all three of those folks must split those expenses. When that starts to happen then folks tend to get a little more flexible. I'd want some more information on this, Susan. I'd want to know who the third, that, that individual that's digging in their heels, is she the executrix of the estate? Is there Number two, is there any money left in the estate, meaning is there cash assets in the bank that she can use to carry that property, order, sewer, taxes, maintenance, heat, uh, so on and so forth. And then I would want the other two individuals that are heirs to review that will to see if there is a clause that says if they can test, they lose. If there's not a, if there's not um, that verbiage in there, then they can actually hire an estate attorney of their own to represent the two of them. That attorney can go to the other attorney and hopefully try to talk some sense into the third person who's digging her heels in. Uh, but we get a little more information, we might be able to guide you uh, in the right direction on that one. Okay, well, maybe Susan will get us some more information before the end of the program if she is still listening. 
A question here from Pete, who is up in your neck of the woods. He is from Newark, New Jersey. He says, I had a situation a few years back where I had an offer on the table for an estate and somehow the court decided that it wasn't enough and and sent the property to auction. Is it common for courts to make decisions like this or was I being fooled and is that what the heirs wanted? Um, sounds like you're being fooled and that's what the heirs wanted. Um, we typically only see properties being sent to auction if there's also like a bankruptcy involved or something like that, or if they had a very vast portfolio. So um, I would think that's what the heirs wanted, and they hired an auction company to probably auction off all the assets um, in that particular case. Hmm. I, I've seen a few cases here in Ohio, and I get, you know, again, the, the rules do vary a little bit from state to state, where because the estate was insolvent, the court did send the property to auction just to make sure that, I don't know, you know, they think the auctions always have the highest and best offers and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that And it was actually court-ordered estate auction. But, yeah, I don't know there uh, if you, uh, Pete, if you um, had, an like, a signed, you said you had an offer on the table. <laughs> if it was a signed offer... And they'd agreed to 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 sell. Well, it's too late now. It happened years ago, but I would have yeah. I would have questioned that a little more uh, thoroughly because it sounds like you might have just said, "Oh well, if the court wants it, I guess I guess my offer's off the table." Uh, you're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm talking today to Ed Haynes about the probate process. Ed is going to be at the big convention coming up here in Cincinnati on November sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth. You can. Grab one of the few remaining tickets that uh, were donated to public radio here on WMKV by going to WMKVFM.org. Those are discounted tickets, and there's only just a few of them left. Uh, All of the money that you use to get yourself into this great event goes to support public radio. So it's an awesome deal all around, WMKVFM.org. We will be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Ed Haynes, who is an expert on probate buying. If you're looking for great deals and you think people who've inherited houses might have some of those, which is in fact the case, uh, this is the show where you should be asking lots of questions. Askvina at gmail.com, A-S-K-V like in Victor, E-N-A at gmail.com. Or you can give us a call at 877-772-9658. Um, Ed, let's, let's talk about, uh, everybody always talks about like all the, the bright sides of things. And we've already talked about that, you know, probate. Uh, sellers or if you're dealing with the right ones are are often much more focused on just getting their money than getting top dollar and they want to get it fast and they don't want that house vacant and they're not attached to it in many cases because in many cases it was a house that they never even lived in what are some of the challenges to dealing with probate properties yeah, the, the people, <laughs> right? As uh, as Susan from uh, uh, Boulder had said, there, you know, she had three heirs. 
uh, two ready to do business, one not. Um, so I would say the biggest challenge uh, we see on our end is the diverse personalities that you have to deal with. Not only are you real estate investor, but you have to be part therapist, uh, right? <laughs> um, uh, you have to intervene in many cases. Um, we have negotiated um, debts for individuals, so uh, say they're not entitled to that property, meaning they're not on the deed to the property. Uh, we just had one uh, pop up where the guy had uh, uh, the guy had some upper court uh, liens and judgments against him, and the title company wasn't going to be able to give him his share. Um, so he just said, Ed, I'm not selling the property. I don't care. I'll, I'll stall the process. I won't sign. Uh, I'm not having 100%. He was getting $25,000, um, and he had owed, uh, I think it was around $40,000. Um, so what we actually did in that case is we became a mediator for uh, his debt resolution. Uh, so we actually went to bat and called the companies that had bought his debt and and it took us about a week, um, and we got them to accept twelve five. So they ended up taking twelve thousand five hundred dollars. He got the other twelve thousand five hundred bucks, and the other three heirs all got twenty five thousand dollars. So uh, you know, the, <laughs> some of the biggest challenges are, are just the individuals themselves, um, and not so much the executor or executrix that reaches out to you, but the other heirs. Um, they can oftentimes um, cause some challenges. Uh, I've got one right now. Where um, they own and they owe Medicaid uh, 2.1 million dollars. I'm going to bring this letter to Oria, Vina. Uh, 2.1 million. Okay, mom went into the nursing home. 2.1 million. We're buying the house for 30 grand. We have three heirs, <laughs> three of the four that don't understand why they're not getting their share of the 30,000 bucks. <laughs> here's what you guys need to focus on. You don't have to pay the 2.1 <laughs> that the estate owes. Okay? Um, so in, in many cases, it's just the characters involved, you know, but like I said, if you, if you, if you're doing business with the distant heirs, no surviving spouses, anything like that, um, you can work through it. Oftentimes they all have the same goal, which is getting their money um, and being off the hook, right? Because they don't want to go cut the grass or pay the taxes or pay the heat bill uh, or anything like that. Um, they're not interested in that in many cases. And oftentimes the longer it goes, the more flexible they get. Um, so that would be the biggest challenge, really. And that's why, I mean, you can be a good counselor. And we got another one in today. Uh, it's only a small one, but it's $1,800. And the guy's saying, I'm not having that 1800 bucks come out of my proceeds. Well, I didn't not pay the bill, right? You didn't pay <laughs> the bill, but that doesn't matter. So we went to bat for him, and we submitted a request to the collection agency to try to clean up his 1800 And if we can do that for a few hundred bucks, even if we had to pay it, it'd be no big deal. Actually, there's enough profit in the deal for us to pay the 1800 But, um, you know, out of principle, I'd rather uh, I'd rather go to the debt collection company first and, uh, you know, buy it for 10 to 20 cents on the dollar and get that settled out for him. So you have to wear a lot of hats. You're not just a real estate investor, per se, um, and, you, and you definitely need to uh, – folks want to communicate differently with these individuals and really wear those knit gloves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's the folks themselves, you know. Once you once you um, once you kind of get that that role kind of figured out, uh, and don't be surprised by anything, um, then uh, then you'll be okay and you're on track. We did get some clarification from Susan in Colorado. She says that these three sisters, all three of them, are on the deed. So apparently, 
okay. things out of the things out of probate. The, they are they are undivided owners of a third of the property each. Yes, yes. This this happens. I've had this actually screw up deals in the past, and I mean that in the technical in the technical term. Um, and <laughs> what happens is it's no longer it's no longer property of the estate, right? It's the it's the three sisters. It's been deeded from you know mom or dad to the three sisters. So that's like a um, that's like an LLC. Um, they've got their own little uh, corporation there, and all three of them have to uh, uh, have to play ball. I would say two of the three need to hire an attorney. Um, you know, because uh, every day you've got maintenance, you've got heat, um, you've got water, sewer, taxes, insurance, property insurance. Um, nobody wins by them keeping, you know, hanging on to that property. Uh, it's only going to cost the three of them more money. Um, so if it's if they own that, it's in their name, I would go to an attorney. And, and listen, I'm not a fan of attorneys. Uh, don't get me wrong. The attorneys are the only ones that win because uh, they're going to get their fees. Um, but I would just talk to, I would have a little sit down, you know, outside the house at a coffee shop somewhere and go, no, we want to sell it. Here's the offer. Um Susan, I would I would get uh, three offers, uh, all cash with proof of funds, uh, and closing dates that are you know five days, ten days, fifteen days out, whatever's common for Boulder, Colorado, and uh, I would sit down with the sister that's not being cooperative and put the offers on the table and say this is what the bar- the market will bear, um, and go in that route and hope that she'll play ball. If she doesn't, you got to go to an attorney, and now you don't have to worry about being written out of the will because uh, it has nothing to do with the estate now. It's just three individuals that own a home together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some uh, sometimes, unfortunately, the the situation that you're describing, Susan, goes back way before this estate. I mean, this goes back to, you know, the two sisters ganging up on the third sister and pulling her pigtails when they were in elementary school, and now she's just... <laughs> It's not really about the money. It's really about just not doing what her sisters want. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think that's some good advice from Ed. At the same time, don't get so involved in this that, you know, you don't you don't move on to the next deal because sometimes it's just, it's it's their thing, it's not your thing, and it's just not solvable. All right, uh, very good. Appreciate your time today, Ed. We are unfortunately out of time, but we look forward to seeing you at the summit coming up on November 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. Listeners, again, go to wmkvfm.org to pick up some discounted tickets to that summit. If it's not there because you're listening to this on a podcast months from now, that's because we ran out. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.